Hey, good morning, everybody. This morning we'll be in Psalms 25 and 26, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. What a great day. Beautiful day out today. That's quite a storm. Did you guys get a lot here down in Maryville? Rain, storm, wind, craziness. When is the wind going to stop? <laughs> We've been in a neighborhood for so many years. Don't have that problem. And then you get out there, I'm like, you can't hear each other talk, you know, for days at a time. Not complaining, just a little. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time today to spend in your word. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you for David's um, ability and willingness to share his intimacy with you. Um, we know it was your heart. It's by your spirit that he wrote these things because you want us to have this with you. And so we thank you for these two Psalms. Um, this is what we want with you. And uh, so Lord, help us to get every barrier or every wall out of the way that we might have this kind of relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we start, I was going to go, I'm sorry, Aaron, I did that to you. Um, just some things. We got a lot coming up. Today is the roller skating for the uh, youth, and they'll meet here at 445. I assume you leave around 5. Is that what you're planning on? So meet here at 440. But don't be here at 5. I shouldn't even said that, should I? <laughs> 445 is when they're taking off, and then they'll be here on time, right? Um, and that's what you need. So potluck, May 1st, coming up. Um, that's, is that next Sunday? Okay, great. Um, and it's spaghetti, but Mike wanted us to come to a conclusion on what it means when you don't use like spaghetti noodles, you use elbow noodles as opposed to spaghetti noodles. So goulash, is that a goulash then all of a sudden? Cause you changed the noodle. That's not fair. <laughs> Worship night this Friday night at 7 PM. Join us for that. That's a time of, it's, we call it an afterglow at Calvary. Um, but, um, it's just a time of waiting on the Lord prayer, um, gifts of the spirit, things like that. Worship singing. Um, and so join us for that. It'll be a good time. And you can sit there quietly if you're like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Well, just sit there and just enjoy. Or, but you never know, you know. Um, and then the next Saturday, well, it's both days, Friday and Saturday, but Saturday we have the men's retreat down in Kansas City. Um, you can sign up online. It's in the email. We put it on here. You can scan that code. You can do it on the bulletin board out here. I've given you many ways for you guys to sign up on your own, and we'll just either meet, or probably just meet down there. That's the best way to do it. Um, and you can look online to see when the schedule is for Saturday and what time you want to be there. If you do want to go down for Friday night, it is just a worship night down there. Um, there's no speaking. Um, the speaking doesn't start until Saturday. So um, that's what's going on this week. Anything else? That's it, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Psalm 25. I enjoyed reading these and preparing this this morning. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's like I said in my prayer, it's amazing how intimate David gets in this song. And the reason he uh, is doing a song about his relationship with Jesus is because he wants, or God, but he wants everybody to have this. His hope is that as he talks about and publicizes, maybe that's a better way to put it, publicizes his relationship with God, people will desire that and want that, or at least understand better what they can have and then choose to have that with him. Um, we make the mistake, all of us do, I think, at times, um, confusing, I think, uh, church, Bible, relationships with people in Jesus, you know, as brothers and sisters, Lord, as our relationship with Jesus, and it isn't. Those things happen because of our relationship with Jesus. What, what David does here in these two Psalms is expresses my relationship with God. I have a conversation with him. I talk to him. Um, 
I surrender to him in moments, you know, moment by moment, day by day. Um, it would be like me saying, if I was going to talk to Carolyn about my wife, Jenny, that my Jenny and I ought to be good because Carolyn and I talked about her. That's not the same thing as Jenny and I having a conversation with one another, you see. Um, and we make that mistake of thinking that service um, and all those other things I mentioned as our relationship with Jesus, and it's not. Those are, those are, the, those are secondary um, to our conversations we should be having with them. And so that's what this is. It's not complicated at all. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's so simple. It I probably shouldn't even need to talk about it, but it's amazing how quickly we can forget, you know, I haven't even just talked to him, you know, uh, marriages can be like that sometimes. When was the last time we just talked to each other and not about duties and responsibilities and schedules, but actually just talk about each other, you know, with each other. Um, and, we, and we call it a marriage and we're, we're missing out. So that's what David is doing here. He begins in verse one. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without a cause. Now, David's got a problem, obviously. He's concerned about some enemies. He's concerned about people sneaking around, doing treacherous things. But there's nothing he can do about that. There's way too many treacheries going on, you know, for him to be able to deal with all of these. He's got to come to the Lord and say, would you, would you be my defender? Would you be my protector? I lift up my soul specifically to you, God. You're my God. I trust in you. Please don't let me be ashamed. Don't let him do this to me. You know, I'm coming to you. He says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation and on you I wait all the day. Waiting on the Lord is something we talk about a lot. Um, when that falls, do you want to know the story behind this wall? This wall moves almost six inches sometimes. That's why that board is sitting like that. That's a free-floating ceiling that slides on that board as that wall moves. Because we tried to do it tight and lock it into the wall, you know, like you're supposed to do with the J channel. You don't care, but you're going to listen anyway. Or an L channel. But when you do and that wall moves because of the force, it pulls the seams apart everywhere and the ceiling tiles fall. So that's what we get to listen with. And if we get some wax up there, Toby, no, nah, we won't have to listen to that anymore. So if you hear that creaking, that's all it is, is this wonderful wall just doing what it's supposed to do and our wonderful system doing what it's supposed to do. All right, back to God. I just know it's going to be a distraction, so I thought let's just, just address it. All right. Show me your ways, O oh Lord. I want you to teach me your paths. He's submitting himself to the Lord. Um, my most effective ministry in my life, and I don't mean like of, of the 12 ministries that I do. No, I mean when I'm, when I'm effective in ministry or I'm effective with people, which can sometimes be two different things, um, it's, it's when in the moment I submit to God's will and I make the situation uncomfortable. Let me explain, maybe. Um, 
I know what I'm supposed to do in any given moment, but there is a relationship with a human being across from me, and they may not be there, and they may be leading me in a different direction and saying, you know, right, right, and I have to make a decision to make the conversation just flow and be easy and smooth like it's supposed to, like we do politely in society and in this world, or I have to say what I have to say that's according to God's will, that's according to his word. I have to make it uncomfortable. And those aren't easy moments for me, even after this many years of being a Christian, because I don't want anybody, I don't, I, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that relationship to be weird. You don't want the conversation to turn awkward. Maybe there's a more subtle way to say it. Every time I am not blunt to the point of offensive or harsh, but just I stand firm, it's always worked out good. It's always worked out for the best. Every single time. It's always been better that way. And every time I've ever compromised in such a way that, well, maybe I'm going to um, minister to them later on, so maybe this isn't the point of con- moment I'm supposed to do it. It's never worked out that way. We've never had that second conversation. It's never worked out. It's always been better when I submit right here like David is. I want you to show me your ways, O Lord. I want you to teach me your paths. I want you to lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait every day. It's about you, Lord. I don't, I don't come to this world or walk in this world uh, to, 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 to make it easy on everybody else. I, I, don't, I don't live my life for them or you. We live our lives as Christians for him, for God. That's the best thing we can do. And that's all David is saying. I said, I, David is saying, I, I want you to show me your ways and not just show them to me. I want you to teach me how to walk on those paths. But then I want you to lead me in your truth each step of the way. I, 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 David is choosing in this Psalm, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. And, and the consequences be what they may, but that's what I'm going to do. You'll never regret that decision. You'll never regret it when you begin to do that or continue to do that or do that more in your life. You'll never regret it. You get a deeper walk with him. I don't, I don't live this life so that I can have a, a good retirement. I don't live this life so I can do whatever, uh, you know, for this world. I, I, I'm, you think eternally all the time. You think that I, I breathe and live and speak and think, sleep, rest, work, serve, whatever it is for him. And whenever I am doing those things and I begin to not think about him and begin to think about myself and not his will and not his desire for this earth or the salvation of those around me, it's always, it's never, it's never good. It may be smooth and easy, but you never feel that peace in your heart like you do when you, when you make those tough calls. That's all I have to, that's all I can say. It's the best way I can put it. It's a tough call, but you make it and you walk it and it's always better. Always. And so David, in his prayer to God about his enemies and how he doesn't want to be left uh, in the dark, you know, ashamed, uh, he lifts up his soul to him. He submits himself to him. He lays his life at the altar again in these first five verses. Verse six, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to your mercy. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. I'm hoping in that. When David looks at his God, he he sees him this way. And David writes this down 
publicly so that we see him this way too. No matter what your view is or opinion of God is or what you think he's thinking about you, this is the correct opinion. I remember, O Lord, and I want you to remember, Lord, your tender mercies. I'm familiar, David says, with your tender mercies. I pray your tender mercies continue in my life. Not just mercies. David puts in the word tender on purpose because he has to emphasize the fact that that's how God dispenses his mercy. There are ways we can dispense our mercy. We can dispense our mercy as, you see what I just did for you? Mercy. That's not how God dispenses them. He dispenses them like, like he loves us. Like he's looking forward to it. He's, I, I understand and I don't condone, but I know there's no other way but for me to be the bigger man in the situation. That isn't blasphemous to say that. God is constantly and continually being the bigger man. Of course, he's the bigger God. I don't mean that or to take anything away from him. But in the relationship, he's got to be the bigger person in that relationship with us every single time. But he does it in such a way that it's tender. Doesn't lord it over us, doesn't always sit there and say, see what I did for you again and again. That's how we think about it. And I suppose that's okay. That's okay for us to be upset with ourselves about how many times he's got to be the bigger person in the, in this. I understand that. That does show some contrition, your contrite heart. It shows a brokenness maybe. But David, when he talks about it with other people and in a song, but also to his God in his private prayer life, God, I understand your mercies are tender. At least I see that. He's acknowledging it. And I like your loving kindness, not just your kindness, but it's loving. There's a gentleness about him, you know. There's a loving kindness. And I just pray that you keep that with me for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth. I pray that you wouldn't bring those up. I, I bring them up enough. I pray you wouldn't. Or my transgressions. He, 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 they're different, you know. Sins is missing the mark. That's the definition of it. You shoot an arrow, you don't hit the bullseye. Sin, you miss the mark. We use it for all sorts of different ways, but that's the correct term to use when you miss the mark. You, you were aiming for the goal, but you really fell short. You didn't hit the bullseye at all. So when it comes to being like God or being like having God's righteousness, you shoot, but you did. You, you know, it's over in the field someplace, you know, swing and a miss. That's a sin. Transgression, on the other hand, is like trespasses. Transgression is knowing and doing it anyway. That's a different kind of thing. And, and David doesn't, doesn't make a distinction. He says, I, I need loving kindness and mercy for both. For both. According to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord, I pray that you'd get glory for it. I pray that you'd be honored for it. But for your goodness sake, Lord, I pray that you treat me this way. Good and upright is the Lord, verse 8. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, the, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. You can read that verse 10 even backwards. Uh, for such as keep his covenant and testimonies are the paths of the Lord, mercy and truth. There's, there, there, is, there is that. So since, I want to clarify this, since David just asked that God wouldn't remember his sins, that God would treat him mercifully, um, and all these things, when he says, keep his covenant and his testimonies, because sometimes we read that funny. We read that in a way that those who do his 
stuff, those who are obedient, those who don't do sins, those who don't, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Why would you, why would you say that he's going to be this gracious, wonderful, perfect God, but only for those that are, you know, that are walking the right way? You don't need to ask for the forgiveness then if you're walking the right way. You don't need to ask for the mercies and the loving kindness and all these things if you're walking the right way. No, what David is saying here is, I do. I keep your covenant and your testimonies. That is my aim. That is what I'm shooting for with my bow and arrow. I fall short, but that's my aim. And God sees that aim. And I'm not, you know, I keep having to qualify my statements, but I, we do want to get better. We do want to improve our aim. We do want to hit the bullseye six times out of 10, maybe, and not just continually miss and say, well, at least I shot my arrow, you know, oh, missed again. Oh, missed again. Well, come on. I mean, you know, make your arms straight, make it stiff, put the bend in so you don't get that string burn and pull back, hold the point at your cheek and then release. Like, and well, I keep forgetting, well, work at it, work at it, you know? Sometimes we can get into that habit of, well, I shot all my arrows today, you know. <laughs> Did you expect to hit any of them? Uh, maybe one. No, he wants us to work on it. He wants us to get better at it. So good and upright is the Lord. He teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, and he shall pluck my feet out of the net. I mean, he does a lot of things there, but let's try to break this down a little bit. Don't want to ruin the song, but it's hard not to take the time to look at some of these things. Um, I had several stories I'm going to bring up about when you walk with the Lord and you submit to him and you let him be your teacher and guide, he'll teach you stuff that the world says you have to take this class or have to do it this way or that way. And, and if you don't do that, you're not going to get it. But if you just trust in the Lord, you'll start learning stuff and doing things the right way that you didn't even realize were the right way. You just were obedient to God and it ends up being perfect. You know, um, yesterday I saw, uh, a post about doulas, doulas. If you don't know what a doula is, it's like a, I guess it's like a midwife, but more, more than that. It really helps a, a wife or a woman through the pregnancy and then also um, through the giving birth, but also then afterwards, you know, and all. And I saw this little tag. Um, it was by Barkus, the lady uh, that runs uh, Herbs and Way up here. It's a really good post. Um, and on, and she's got this little pink ball on the on her lanyard that that has it on here. I just really appreciated it. And this pink ball is a reminder to the mom that this is how big your baby's stomach is. And so the colostrum that you provide is enough. You don't have to supplement. It's plenty. It's just what the baby needs. And so then he and then they showed. Well, here's a comparison of a two ounce bottle of formula that you give the same baby with a stomach this big. You see why they spit up. They can't contain it. And you're just, you know, you're thinking about you and your, you know, Oreo 
fixation. And these babies got these. So without a doula, without that post, without all that, if you just did what God has provided for you to do naturally, it's okay. You're going to be okay. The baby's okay. The baby's not starving to death. Baby's getting everything. It's a superfood, you know? It's amazing, you know? Another example is uh, Evangeline. I was thinking of, of you. When we went down to that uh, clinic that you had um, down in Kansas City for skating, and, uh, and we don't do a lot of clinics a lot of times. Um, sometimes it feels like we ought to run the clinics as opposed to go to the clinics, but we go anyway and participate because we want to be team players and all. And in this clinic, they had this one morning or something, a couple hours where they were going to, they were going to meditate and do yoga, you know? And I'm like, you know, one of the two things was, you know, no, I'm not going to, and it was one of those moments called a failure, whatever you want. I said, just, just sit on the mat and see what they're doing. They went outside and they, they, they started doing their poses and I'm watching my daughter and this instructor. Do you think they listen? Do you think they watch? I don't want to embarrass this instructor. Okay, good. Probably not. But I'm watching my daughter nail this stuff. These these things and she's holding herself up and she's doing all these things and she's giggling and laughing and looking at everybody else is, you know, doing their thing. And she's just going like this and nailing it. And this instructor can, can't even do it. Can't even do the stuff she's teaching. Evangeline's never, ever, ever done yoga. Never, ever, ever done the meditation. Never done it. and was nailing it 100% better than anybody else out there. You don't need it. Oh, you got to have it. It's a really special way to stretch and to get. And so you can't get that any other way than what's with my daughter nailing it better than everybody out there. How did she learn to do that? Because she just died and exercise. Because of, don't take a screenshot of this again, Aaron. But, you know, doing her stretches in the, he put me on a horse. He cut this out when I did this last time and put me on a horse. Um <laughs> stretching and doing her stuff all day long, just studying, doing her thing and doing all that. And all of a sudden, here comes the moment where we're going to show everybody how to do yoga. And she's like, you know, you guys don't even know what you're doing. This is easy. What are you talking about? You know, she's wrapping her, looking at her toes and walk with the Lord. You can't do any better than meditating upon God's word. You can't do any better. You can't find another meditation way or principle or philosophy other than meditating on the word of God. You can't do any better. There is nothing better. It's a thousand percent better than anything out there the world has to offer. Get out and move around. Exercise. And what I mean by that is just do the chores that God has for you that day. Don't put it off. Do today what you're supposed to do today, just like he says. Do today what you're supposed to do today. Let tomorrow worry about itself, but do today. And when you do today, all of a sudden you find yourself better. It's fine, you know? These are just a couple examples of when walking with the Lord and, and trusting in him and putting your whole hope and heart into uh the relationship you have with him. And he, he, he fixes all the things that the world has to come up with a thousand different classes for you to take. Um, Jordan, what's his name? Dr. Jordan just found him on TikTok. And the reason I found him on TikTok, he's a, a renowned world renowned psychologist. 
and a conservative and all that subut. And so what, what I don't do, I don't look for stuff like that, but I came across him and he said something in his TikTok and this, this little just brief snippets, sound bites of a, a much larger lecture, you know, and, and I enjoy him. Um, he says the same things a lot of times, but that's okay. But the, what, I, what I liked about it is he said this, you, you take this, this, I run across this. Here's what he says. He goes, you know, depressed people don't serve people. Now, I'm not saying they're depressed because they, 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 you know, they have problems. There's other things going on there. But depressed people, one of the best paths out of depression is for them to begin to think of other people and to serve them. I'm like, I've been teaching that for 25 years. And I didn't need a doctorate or a degree. I got that from this. I didn't come up with it on my own. That's for sure. And then I went to his next one. And it's another snippet. And what did he say? Another thing, exactly what we've been teaching or what we've been studying in God's word. And I'm like... You guys have right here in your hands everything, everything. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, he says in his word, and that wonderful love that you have for him takes care of all of life, all of godliness, everything you've ever needed. It's all right here. They have nothing to offer. They come up with um, similar things or they steal and rob, you know, and try to pan it off as, this is my brilliant thing. I think that if people would serve each other, they get out of themselves and they begin to become more self-aware. I'm like, eh, no, 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 no. You didn't come up with that. Jesus did. God did. You want to be the greatest? Be the servant of all. You want to be the happiest? Don't have a place to lay your head. Serve people. Love people. Take care of people. Don't worry about the things that you're supposed to have for yourself. Food, clothing, all that. God's got all that covered. You worry about people. You take care of them and worship me. Really? Yeah, really. And you didn't even need to get a degree for that. It's all there. It's all there. David understands that. He gets that. His relationship with God is strong, and he wants us to have that same strong relationship. If he himself shall dwell in... Okay, who's the man that fears the Lord? He's going to be the one that's going to be taught. God will choose him and and teach him. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. His descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord, so secret, is those who fear him. Fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. And all of a sudden, everything comes out and opens up. You begin to see things you never saw before. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, and he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me, he says in verse 16, and have mercy on me, David says, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. David is depressed. He's angry. He's lost. No, no, no. He's dealing with it. He's dealing with it. He's not stuffing it. He's not going around with a smile on his face. I don't think David ever hid a feeling in his life. You know, maybe Bathsheba, but he just, this is where I feel right now, God. I'm pouring out my heart to you. There's no one else that can help me. There's no one else that can understand me. So I pour out my heart to you. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many and they hate me with a cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in you. That's how he started. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. That's how he started. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. It's a funny last line. 
It's all been about him, his relationship with people and, and um, his relationship with God, first of all, and his enemies that are doing things behind the scenes. But all of this prayer and this heart being poured out is actually for 22. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all their troubles. This is the king? Or as someone, you know, depending on what situation David is in, he's either a, a guitar player for the king, he's either the king himself, or, or he's actually, you know, just a, a shepherd boy at the time. I don't really know when this is written. It's probably when he's a king, but if it's not, it doesn't matter. All he sees is the trouble Israel's having. He knows the best thing is for God to be the deliverer. So I write a song about my deliverance, David says. I write a song about what he's done for me so that each and every person in Israel can experience this same forgiveness and, and protection from God. Verse 26, or chapter 26. And I moves on. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. So he starts off with, God, I want you to vindicate me, but that's because I'm asking because I've been walking with you, you know? I've been doing what you wanted me to do. I've been, I've been obedient to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. that. David is not saying this. He is not saying, you owe me. He's saying, I've been walking my walk, and there should be fruit from that because your word says so. Th- those who walk with the Lord and obedient to God, there should be fruit from walking with the Lord. And part of this is, I want you to help me. I trust in you. I have not slipped. If you don't believe me, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Go ahead and search it. I give you access to all the files, you know. And you let me know if there's something out of place, and I'll fix it. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. You mentioned that earlier in the last psalm. Your loving kindness. I'm looking for that. I'm longing for that. I want that. I appreciate that. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with the hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I was talking about earlier. Those are moments with your God. One of the questions you get, and maybe you've got, you've received these questions as well, is I don't know whether I should keep ministering or if I should go to this wedding or if I should be a part of this celebration or for whatever reason because I know wickedness is going to be there, because I know this is going to happen or whatever. I get that a lot. And I'm sure you do too as a, as a Christian. People ask, well, what do you think? You think I should participate? I don't know. I want you to be led of the Spirit. I don't ever, ever want to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. Can't, shouldn't. But I do take these verses to heart in my own life. I don't sit with idolatrous mortals, David says. I choose not to. That's okay. I can minister to them some other time. It doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be right there. There might be other opportunities, but I know for me, it's better for me to side with God right now and to sit with him. Always, always, always. I don't uh, go in with the hypocrites. I steer clear of them. When I see a hypocritical person or I see them in the middle of their hypocrisy, I don't join in. I don't help them. I don't enable them and I don't participate and become one with them. David says so. It's a good place to be. I've hated the assembly of evildoers. I don't find any pleasure there. I don't long for that. Um, That's a struggle for um, us as we first get saved and begin to walk away from the world and begin to separate some of the things of the world out of our lives. God's filtering them out, you know. 
And then someone says, hey, you want to go to this concert? I'll use, I'll use a concert as an example. Hey, you want to go to this concert? Oh, I love that guy. Such a great guy. And then you start thinking about the lyrics. You start thinking what, what they write about. And yeah, it's, I like dancing to it, and I used to enjoy it. And we, I remember running down the gravel road and listening to that song with the windows down. And you have all these fond memories, and they invite you to this concert. But as a believer, all of a sudden, you're not comfortable, and you don't know why. There's this dilemma. It was never a dilemma before, but now that you're a believer, you're thinking, what is it? What's my hangup? And that's a great time to pray. Oftentimes, when God is filtering out the harder stuff in our lives, it just starts off with that uncomfortable feeling. You don't know why. It's not a black and white situation. You just say, you know, I don't know why, but I don't feel like I can say just yes automatically. I need to think about this. That's okay to say think and not pray. I need to think about this. Let me think about it. You do. And you sit down with God and reason and say, what is it? Why can't I just go to this concert? I mean, the guy loves America. You know, he says so in his songs. <laughs> I'm picking on country music. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I could pick on any other genre if I wanted to. I don't. I want to pick on country today. But the guy's in constant turmoil, and he brought it on himself. And he's constantly wondering why his wife left him. I can tell him if he'd ask me, you know. I know why you don't need money. <laughs> I know why, you know, because I've been walking with the Lord. I've been reading his word, and wisdom is coming into my life, and I'm trying to change it. And I don't want to live in your world anymore, or that is my existence. I heard a song the other day. All I came home with was sand in my boots. And I went, from what? And I got to go backwards through the lyrics because it was kind of catchy. And I'm like, oh, no, he had a one-night stand. Oh, no, he's on vacation. And oh, no, he's trying to get her to come back to Tennessee. I'm going through all these words. I'm like, ah, what was I listening to? What was I listening to? You know? All I brought back was sand in my boots. Well, that's about it. That's what the world has to offer you, grit, you know? Grit an athlete's foot. <laughs> Choose it. I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to be with the assembly of the evildoers. I'm not going to sit with the wicked. Well, Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, not to become one, not to participate, but for them to be, have an encounter with the true and living God, to, for them to realize what salvation is and that they can be delivered from these things, not to continue in them at all. Never did he sit with sinners and tax collectors to make them comfortable in their sin and tax collecting. Sorry if you work for the IRS. <laughs> you should quit. No, I'm kidding. I know we need to pay some taxes. I understand. <laughs> that was a little loud, John. <laughs> John's like, <"Puh." laughs> uh, let's finish. I'll get finished up here. Verse seven, verse six, excuse me. I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving, and tell of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Um, David thoroughly enjoyed worshiping. He thoroughly enjoyed God um, fully. And if you have a problem with that and, and difficulty with that in your own life, that's just a, it's just a, it's a symptom. It isn't the problem. It's the symptom. Um, 
it's a spiritual symptom. It's a spiritual problem. Because some will misunderstand, why don't I like church? Maybe it's because the guy's boring. That may be. Um, not everybody can speak, and, and sometimes it does get long. I understand. And, and you're hot, and you're tired, and you're thinking about other things, and your flesh is screaming, get up and run, and, and all that. I, I know. Um, but that isn't the problem. It doesn't matter where I've ever been. It doesn't matter what church I've ever gone to, honestly. It could have been the worst church in the world. It could have been another, well, I've been to a lot of places. But I've always, when they read the word of God, I've always received something from the Lord. Always. Despite the speaker. Because he inhabits the praises of his people and he lives in his word. His word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. I always get something from his word. I don't get so much from the, from the ad lib, you know, the, 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 the puffery, but I do from his word. That's what David's saying. I've always loved your house, the place where your glory dwells. That's where I want to be. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with the bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. Don't ever let me find myself in those situations, is other words. When they go down with you, God, may I not be one of them at that time. You know, I steer clear of people that would put me in situations like that. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Integrity, Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place in the congregations. I will bless the Lord. That's where you're going to find me. I'm not going to be robbing some convenience store. You're going to find me praising the Lord. When you come to get me, wherever, wherever I die, it's going to be in a place of bringing you glory. It's a great goal. That's a wonderful way to live your life. No matter what I'm doing, I'm either serving my family or I'm serving somebody. I'm serving you, God, no matter where I am. When I die, you're going to find me in that relationship with you, walking with you, not embarrassed about where you found me. It's a wonderful place. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for David's um, uh, vulnerability, I would say. He's really let his relationship with you out for people to read and to enjoy it and, and, and hopefully thirst for and want, hunger for in their lives. We do. Lord, this morning we do hunger for all that you have for us. And we don't want to ever stop talking to you or to to make the mistake of thinking that our service to you is our relationship with you. We have a relationship with you for its sake, for for talking to you, for not not to make our lives better, but just because the, the relationship is worth it just to have this time with you and to have this peace and this love and this graciousness and mercifulness coming our way. It's just what a joy to be in your presence. You're, you're, a, you're magnetic, Lord. You just draw us. And we thank you for that, God. I pray that this week would be just a wonderful week of eyes wide open to the spiritual things of this world, that we might see the way we're supposed to walk, when we're supposed to say no, how to... How to Stay in that place of intimate fellowship with you, no matter what comes our way, Lord. That's our heart. Bless these folks as they go today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.